If you really knew me, 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 you would know. Hey, who are you? Who, me? Yeah, you. It's Monday! Hello, and thanks for tuning in. You're listening to FU Knew Me Mondays, a podcast to help you start your week off with a new piece of Park Day perspective. Say what? I'm your host and Park Day Director of Equity and Inclusion, Arjuna Saeed. Each episode, I sit down with a different member of our community to help us learn more about who they are beyond what we see. We'll be hearing about what's happening in their classrooms and in their life and talking about identity, equity, and justice in our school and community. As always, we'll be talking with today's guests about what guides them, what inspires them, and what fulfills them. Along the way, we hope to inspire you too to think about these same questions in your own life. Today, we'll be talking with a newer community member a humble and fearless leader, and someone bursting with positive energy and boundless ideas. I'm talking about middle school director, Jules Green. Jules Green! Hello! How you doing? All right, all right. Hello, hello. (laughs) Thanks for hanging out with me. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. You're four months into your new role as Park Day Middle School Director, and you're expecting a baby in early 2021. And you're doing all of this during such a complicated moment in time, Jules. I've got to say how impressed I've been seeing how quickly you've been adapting to working in a new school that's evolving by the week. You're building relationships with hundreds of people. You're learning and leading new programs, innovating. And since day one, you've been bringing boundless creativity and big energy. So I can't wait to get into what your experience at Park Day has been like. And of course, where your path has taken you on your journey as an educator. Thanks so much. This is going to be a good time. Okay, so Jules, um, if you've listened to any previous episodes, you know how we're going to start this out, right? Yeah, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give you uh, a quick conversation starter and let you take it away. All right. You ready? Yeah. All right. So it goes like this. If you really knew me, you'd know that. If you really knew me, you know that I am a gigantic nerd, like super, super nerdy, like Harry Potter, Star Wars nerd um i am also energetic all the time whether or not i have coffee so the way i show up is just kind of how i am all the time um and i have a super 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 deep love for kids like that's the reason why i stay in education that's the reason why my husband's also in education we're able to talk about kids when we get home um i'm i i've always loved being around students and i kind of fell into it i originally went to school to become an attorney i majored in history i'm like okay i I can do this i'm gonna i'm gonna do legal stuff and do all the things. Then I graduated from college and needed to find a job and I found a job at a school and completely fell in love. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna stay and I'm gonna do this. And that's all I've done ever since I graduated from college. So I like to just laugh with kids, learn from kids, be a nerd with kids, all of those pieces. Um, and it's just, it's just makes me happy every single day uh, to be able to be around students and watch them really develop over time. So, yeah. I love it. I love that you're proud of your your nerdity. Oh, yeah. It's not just you oh. know, your inner nerd, but you let it you, your nerd flag fly. Huh? It's everywhere. Like, it's I mean, I people love Disneyland. I love Harry Potter World. Like, it's just it's just the way I am. <laughs> nice. So going back from your transition out of school into working in schools, can you tap into that that first magical moment that made you realize that that's where you wanted to be and that's where you should be Mm. i think it was the first time i started working with this organization called upward bound 
and I worked at down in San Jose with these students. And at the same time, I was also an ACT and SAT tutor. And I was able to see the clear difference in terms of equity and access to getting to college. Um, Upward Bound students were working with us and everything was kind of paid for and they were on free reduced lunch and um, they were working super hard just to get to the same baseline as my students who I was working with for tutoring. And so it was then I decided that I wanted to be able to shrink the gap as much as possible um, and make an influence for students to be able to make a change in their adult life. And so I started offering free SAT and ACT tutoring, um, helping kids with test prep, helping kids with application process for college, all of those pieces. That was my very, very first job out of college. And I just crafted it. I just really wanted to to do so. And so after that, I was like, okay, where am I going to go? What am I going to do? Am I going to do public school? Am I going to do private school? Because I'm a, I'm a private school kid. I went to private school the entirety of my life. Um, and so I started thinking about it more. And I decided to work in private schools initially, one down in Los Gatos uh called hillbrook and that was a really cool community i really enjoyed it but the great thing is that they let me play and that's where i kind of got into my equity work i just started bringing things to the classroom started going to conferences and just kind of doing what i wanted around the realm of equity and under the sense that if i can educate these kids who are going to achieve they will be able to make a change in the future if i make them empathetic and think outside of themselves and so I've just been doing that ever since. Jules, can you share a little bit about how your experience as a woman of color in a private school shaped your relationships with your students? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm a black woman who teaches history. That was my job. And so with that, I taught US history as well. Um, and so with that came a lot of things. Um, I remember being a student and learning about specifically slavery or anything relating to black people. And my teachers would always make me the token to speak for the entirety of the race. And so I went into education specifically to get rid of that. Um, so I would use I statements. I would use my own examples. I would flip history and tell it from a different perspective on purpose so that you wouldn't the students wouldn't look to any student they would just be learning um and so that was a that was a big part of it i i would teach slavery specifically from um a space of strengths i would start with like slave rebellions and 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 places where um, black people were thriving um during that time um and then go back into like the u.s policies around slavery i spent a lot of time focusing on those years between the end of the civil war and then the beginning of the jim crow era i would just flip things on their heads so that the only story that students of color were were hearing wasn't just about how they were defeated. Um, I also extended the U.S. history curriculum um, so that uh, students like Indian students and, and more of our Asians could see more of themselves in U.S. history beyond just like, you know, the early 70s or whatnot. Another thing I did very actively was I played with my hair. So I would change my hair and still do um, about every two months Yes, it cost, <laughs> but <laughs> I did never wanted any of my black girls to have someone ask them, 
your hair is so different. Why is it so different? Did it just grow that long? I didn't want any of that to occur because that happened to me the entirety of my growing up in school. So I would purposely change my hair and then build an advisory lesson on like what black hairstyle I did. So like I would just build in structures so that kids would not ask the students those questions. Um, and it was fun. Like we were able to really like, able to learn a lot about weaves and everything else. I love the foresight of that. You're like, I know where this is going, so let me just get out ahead of it and give people an opportunity to learn. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, Jules, were you one of few mm -hmm. African-Americans? Yeah. Okay, yeah. what was it like being a middle school student mm. in that, that dynamic? Well, I mean, it was awkward because it's middle school. Um, and it was competitive uh, since I was one of, oh, let me think, in middle school? I might have been one of two black students out of around 120 in the in the school. Yeah, I've, I've always been an extreme minority um, in all the schools that I went to. I was one of five in high school, an all-girls Catholic high school. Um, but in middle school, I was still trying to figure out where I fit and trying to figure out if I cared to fit, to be honest. Um, I, and which, which took, which made me be a loner a lot. I was kind of just observing a lot of people a lot of the time. Um, I was very tight with my family, still am. Um, and so I was able to talk with them quite a bit. But I, I always only had a couple of friends and those friends were always extreme minorities of their, of their own right. Um, and we kind of just did what we wanted to do. That's where my Harry Potter love really kind of came to be. Um, and I just observed a lot. I didn't go to a lot of sleepovers or hangouts or anything like that I kind of just observed people's behavior and kind of worked it out where it showed up more was in high school actually I was one of five black girls who played golf so it was a real intense uh, minority there and by that point I just kind of did my own thing and didn't care it was hard though sometimes because uh I didn't always have someone to play off of and I'm black, but I'm also Jamaican, and the Jamaican part was really strong at home, so black folks didn't really get me. I just kind of dove into myself and figured out who I was and relied a lot on my family and allowed myself to figure out what I wanted in college. That was a lot of my focus from when I was about 12 was where am I gonna go to college? Um, and it made me stronger. I just kind of am able to be my own quirky self, and I think that's why I fit so well with middle schoolers now, because they're quirky like me. Uh, and it kind of works out so yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing to hear how um being in the minority like that um well for one it can have many different impacts on your self-concept and sure it could um be marginalizing um and hard to maybe find a sense of belonging but it also can be really um affirming maybe it made you step back a little bit and observe listen and reflect um, in a more introspective way mm -hmm. yeah you also spent some time, uh, most recently, as a director of equity and inclusion, or what was your title? I was the dean of equity and social impact at Drew. Yeah. Hmm. So you know, I'm <laughs> new on this uh, DEI path, and you know, I feel like I've got a lot of life experiences that have supported me along the way. But this is my first time with like that title, mm -hmm. and um, you know, the title brings a certain amount of attention and expectation. Um, so I'm new, and I'm learning a lot, and I'm wondering from one. POC yeah. in the private school world to another. Based on your your DEI experience at Drew or elsewhere, what advice would you have for someone in my shoes? Yeah, um, I think the first thing is just take care of yourself. Like allow yourself to have boundaries um, because 
the DEI role, DEI work in general, if you are actively stepping into DEI work, it takes resilience no matter what, um, because we live in a space um, that is constantly battling against the work that you are doing, right? Like the U.S. wasn't built to do DEI work. <laughs> and so because of that, you need to be resilient. And so in order to be resilient, you have to figure out ways to replenish yourself um, that may be doing so like on your own. Um, and so just figuring out structures or things that you enjoy um, to do so. So like for me, most people know this by now, but I would watch Jersey Shore all the time to replenish myself because I knew exactly what was going to happen. It wasn't anything like a groundbreaking concept. I knew it was going to occur and that made it so my brain could shut off a bit. I could analyze it to no end, <laughs> but its purpose for me was to be able to decompress. So that was like, that's the first thing. Um, I think another thing as well uh, is to celebrate. Like remember to celebrate, whether it be cultures or customs or or wins or ideas or or just even seeing students and adults um, being able to be more in that gray malleable zone um, because that those kind of things you should be able to celebrate those successes because it's it's a lot of work to get there. Um, sometimes DEI work, it can be heavy because there's so much going on and people forget to celebrate, but celebrate. So like every time I go to people at color conference and I'm in my affinity group with you know, thousands of black educators in one place. Like we celebrate, we dance, we do all of those things along with the work. And I think that that balance is super important. Um, so you don't hit a burnout space and so you can still find joy in all of it. Mm, thank you for that. You spoke a little bit about decompressing, turning your mind off. Um, what are other ways that you bring joy and positivity um, to your life, especially during this challenging time? Yeah, totally. Um, I cook and make a lot of coffee. So I don't only like to drink coffee, but I'm really into like the roasting and the growing and all of the different pieces that come with coffee. So I've been just, I made a coffee shop basically in my house and my husband's really benefiting from that every day. Um, but I also cook. So I will, I will find a recipe that I know is difficult on purpose and just try it and just see what happens. Um, and if I make a mistake, you know, whatever, and then we'll go back and try it again. But I've been doing a lot of that. Um, I've also just been actively limiting how much I'm on my phone. Uh, I could rabbit hole really quickly, researching, just reading, figuring out all those sorts of, sorts of things. Um, but I'm actively limiting it and turning off screens or whatnot when I get home so that I can be home and be able to be present and be able to develop some sort of line between work and home because with the pandemic, everything kind of got pushed together and it was like a recreation of work-life balance. And so, um, yeah, spending a lot of time just figuring out how to just be present and not always thinking of what if, uh, because we live in a space of what if right now, you know? And so it's really trying to return to to being present so whether it's doing pilates or just sitting or cooking or whatnot it's something different than planning for something else and so yeah we're doing a lot of that nice um i just happen to know you also are a is it a tailor oh yeah yours seamstress, seamstress? I don't know. designer i don't know all the things that I you thought. made your own wedding dress yeah i have a degree in costume design so <laughs> that's hey, the well, other part <laughs> can you just like 
a couple sentences on that please yeah so um i took on college just wanted to do what i wanted to do and so i knew i wanted to major in history and i started off riding the bat just doing that so i had extra space in my schedule i'd been sewing since i was around seven my mom always told me it, I don't want you to look like anyone else. <laughs> and so we're going to make whatever comes in your brain. So I've been making clothes since I was really young. And I was like, well, I can get a degree in this. This could work. Um, and so I did. So I did a whole, I did three fashion lines and four shows when I was in like theater production shows when I was in college. And so I took those skills with me. So when I, I graduated from a Catholic school, high school, and so we had to wear a wedding dress for our graduation. Yeah, Catholic, old school with the gloves, everything. And so I'd already gone through the whole like say yes to the dress process and really did not enjoy it. <laughs> it was just a lot of white tool coming at me and I wasn't really digging it. And I always wanted black to be a main element of the wedding. And that's just not what like Bride Magazine has for you. So I went down to LA with my mom and bought 14 yards of fabric. And we came back and just kind of hand pieced it on my body form and made my dress. And it looked exactly the way I wanted it to look. And I can even share a photo with you. But it just made me feel really excited because it was exactly what I wanted. And I didn't have to compromise. And it didn't cost me like an arm and a leg. It cost me like 100 bucks to do the whole dress. So, hey. yeah, I just bought fabric and built it. So it was great. It was a lot of fun. It was fun to do it with my mom. I love that on so many levels. Celebrating your own craft and creativity. Um, self-sufficiency, saving money. <laughs> and I mean, I spent the money on shoes, but, <laughs> but you know. Balance it out. <laughs> but yes, looking fly as well. Say what? All right, uh, Jules, we're going we're gonna to shift gears a little bit. Um, I was really excited to see what songs you selected for your People Power playlist. And the first one off top, I just read the words and I had the song stuck in my head all day still stuck in my head mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i'm talking about bob marley's redemption song yeah so that one right off the bat was always my song i don't remember a time in my life when i didn't have bob marley uh, my parents told me now um that they played it when my mom was pregnant and so i kind of came out knowing the legends album um just kind of cover to cover and i, I just can't think of a time i did didn't know of or know Bob Marley and it's the one artist who can completely calm me down and hype me up at the same time um, redemption song has always been the one that's been made me think because um, there's a line that says like emancipate yourself from mental slavery like that line in, in itself pushed me when I was very young to just like question everything and um, I've always just enjoyed that and the song sticks out even more because my mom told me the second time she went to Jamaica, she married my dad in Jamaica. She was on a bus and she was like four months pregnant and the song came on on the bus and everyone stood up and started just belting the song on the bus. And she was the only one sitting, but she loved the way it felt. And so they played that song for me over and over again my entire life. Um, and so it just always has stuck with me. All right, Jules, thanks so much for sharing. We're gonna start winding down now, but before we close out, I'm wondering if you have any last words of wisdom or appreciations you'd like to share for our listeners. I just appreciate this community. It's been so much fun 
getting to know folks in this very unique way through screens. But I, I feel like I'm getting to actually know people. And so I'm so thrilled when we're able to gather and whenever time and space we're able to do so, I just feel like it's going to be super magical um, because I'm already feeling as if people are enveloping me and welcoming me to the community. So I just appreciate just this transition in, especially because there's so much going on. Say what? And a word of advice I think right now would be, as much as possible, try to live in that in-between gray zone um, and just be flexible. That's how I've been able to survive this long. And it can be uncomfortable, but if you get pretty good at it, it makes things a lot easier. So, yeah. All right. Thank you for those words of wisdom, Jules. Um, Before we go, I just want to give you a warm congratulations um, adding to your family. Yeah. And um, you've got so many gifts to share. I cannot wait to see how those gifts manifest in parent form. So thanks. I'm excited to see how this all shakes out. It's going to be a wild adventure, but I'm excited. It's going to be fun. All right. Thank you so much, Jules, for your time. Thank you. Your insight and perspective, the music. (laughs) Once again, this is your host, Arjuna Saeed, closing us out for today's episode of F.U. Numi Mondays. Don't forget that with each episode, our guests will be sharing a seven-song People Power playlist. If you enjoy the show, let us know on this episode's Padlet. Leave a comment, share what you learned, or leave any questions for Jules. If you want to go above and beyond, you can subscribe and share with your friends in your network so they too can learn about what guides, inspires, and fulfills the amazing people who call Park Day home. This has been F.U. Me Mondays. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you next week.